All right, Kev. Viva Europa. We have a champion of the Ryder Cup. Uh, I'm very, very, very excited to get into our discourse about that. Um, exhilarating weekend. My sleep schedule is still not quite recovered, but we got a good show tonight, I think. We got we got obviously the breakdown of the Ryder Cup, which, like I said, I'm very excited about. We got a little NFL to get to, and then we have a special guest um, who will be coming with some picks, uh, a repeat guest, uh, the newly minted uh, brother-in-law of Kev. Tom will be on a, a, like I said, a repeat guest. The audience should be familiar, but yeah, dude, I'm super excited to get into it. Like overall thoughts on the weekend in general, sports weekend, Ryder cup weekend, Ryder cup, you know, end of week weekend. Um, yeah, dude, let's just, let's get, let's get into this. Yeah. Um, exciting weekend. The Ryder cup was, um, a little disappointing, I would say, in the first couple of days, but it was nice to have, uh, you know, a little bit of drama there down the stretch on Sunday. Um, yeah, the sleep schedule was tough. I, I woke up early a couple of times. Uh, the first two days I was up at like three, one day watching a little, a little bit and then probably fell right back to sleep. Didn't really didn't really process too much of what was going on. But the Sunday start times were kind of nice that 530. I was able to get up at like six, six, 15 and watch pretty much most of the day of that. So um yeah, that was really cool. I um just everything you could absolutely possibly want um from the weekend and the experience and like the content that came out and the comments and the interviews and and the hat gate and everything else just there's so much uh buzz and and talk and and um from that aspect it delivered for sure. And the golf was was exhilarating um as well on Sunday. Um, just the, the position that the United States put themselves in um, to, to almost sort of make it interesting down the stretch there um, was was pretty cool to see. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I uh, I also woke up, I think I woke up at two o'clock for the, the start of the of the event on Thursday, super early Thursday morning. Um, was flooded with like 8,000 commercials, which is a theme that that we need to touch on later in this in this podcast because I have I have strong thoughts about the coverage in general. Um, but the the lasting impression, memory, takeaway that I'll get from this cycle, um, sort of on the course, is uh, like I, I was thinking to myself, I know or I believe that the better overall team won this event. Um, I hit. My four to six range, I predicted a Europe runaway. Uh, I can't believe it it was almost like more dominant than the scoreline ended up showing. And the question that I kept going back to was, what could the UFC have done to either win or make this competitive? And I struggled to put together a better roster of players that would have made a difference. I struggled to put together different pairings um, that may have made a difference. I have some like tweaks that I personally didn't, you know, would have made, didn't agree with some of the moves that that Zach Johnson made. But I I come away thinking that Europe were better overall. They were better in clutch moments. Um, they they just embraced the competition and the spirit and just rode the momentum. And I don't know if there were any combo of american players that could have stopped them it, it was a very impressive performance in every aspect off the tee the ball striking was crazy all the clutch putts from all the different team members like everybody contributed for europe and 
it was like more one-sided than I even would have thought. And I sort of thought it was going to be one-sided. Yeah. Um, yeah. We discussed that a little bit on Sunday talking about, you know, do you think that the United States could have won with some different um, pairings, Zach Johnson makes some different decisions and put some different guys together. Um, or do you think they could have won by bringing a different roster? Um, and I, I truly don't, believe that they I, I i think that team usa could have won but on a sample size of like a hundred times where you where you go over there to rome and you play that course i think even if you take the best united states roster that you can possibly assemble and make all the right decisions i still think europe probably wins maybe 80 times 80 to 85 times out of 100 right so um you know it was it was cool to see the the united states like like the, the the performance that they put on on Sunday was was pretty impressive and gritty, I thought. But yeah, the final scoreline I don't think truly reflected just how dominant Europe was in the first two days because of the United States making that comeback on Sunday. Um, but just those top um, sort of three or four European guys and Luke Donald's decision to bring them out there early um, on Sunday in those early matches, like like um, you know Hatton, Hovland, Rory. Um, you know, even even uh, Rose. I know he didn't win his match on on Sunday, but he the was clutch played putting. super well all weekend. Clutch yeah. Putting. Um. So the with those guys just playing like that. Um. And and Ron didn't even mention Rom. Like also played very well, obviously. So yeah, I just don't don't see with a large sample size. I think Europe is just going to get the the victory there. Um sort of overwhelmingly overwhelmingly a lot more times than than the United States would. Yeah, I, I just like I said, and we were sort of talking about it. You mentioned it. It's hard to it's hard to pick a different roster because I think for the USA, it ended up being the guys that were the most controversial choices and the most discussed choices probably played the best for Team USA to a certain extent. Like I have JT in mind, like he's sort of one of the few bright spots for for America. But in the moment uh, of picking the team, and now hindsight obviously being 2020, like you're probably not taking many people over Colin Morikawa, but he sort of played poorly all weekend until singles. Um, you know, Jordan Spieth, what was a consensus pick, he probably played the worst uh, of everybody on, on Team USA throughout the weekend. I mean, there are certainly a lot of people that could take that title. Um, Kepka again wasn't an auto pick, but but uh you know a pretty consensus unanimous choice. But like I think everybody would have agreed he should have been on the team at the time. He didn't really get the job done. Um, so it's tough to replace like you know the guys that I would have thought replacing like Sam Burns like played horribly on day one, sort of turned it around after that, and then unfortunately got paired with Rory on Sunday coming off Hatgate. So I don't think anybody was winning that match, but sort of redeemed himself from his initial performance. That's the other guy I could have that everybody was arguing against. Um, I don't know whether if his doubles match goes differently um, in all shot, it would have been any different, but the, the signature moment for me, like I knew it was very much over when uh, the U S after um, losing day one decisively um, rolled out uh, Brooks and Scotty um, against uh, they ended up get, getting paired against uh, Hovland and uh, a Ber- I call him a Berg, but, Obert, Obert. Everyone's um, been wrong. This I'm just going to call him. I, I like Aberg better. I'm just going to call him Ludwig. Um, nine and seven in that match, and just like it, it was a clinic. It was like the the best, um, probably the best two person performance 
uh, of the weekend. But that was so symbolic to me that like the U.S.'s top two stallions come out, try to right the ship um, and then get absolutely curb stomped by, uh, you know, the one of the youngest guys on Team Europe who who hasn't even played in a major yet. Um along with a guy who like in my opinion has probably established himself as like the best golfer on the planet right now um Hovland like I don't know how you strike the ball any better than that but every single shot he hit felt like it was on the flag multiple chip-ins just like oozed confidence all weekend um yeah like just a very impressive performance but yeah, I I don't think Team USA beats that team just ball striking wise. Like the I know the commentary alluded to it about fifty thousand times, but um, Europe wanted to test the U.S. with without wedges in their hand for the most part, and that's just not something American players right now are are very good at compared to the rest of the world. Like I don't know whether it's just playing how people in Europe have to play uh, coming up with a lot of wind, but. Um, like the US and I'm sure we'll see it at Beth Page in 2 years like when they can go driver wedge like all those guys are are pretty untouchable um but that wasn't the case and, and yeah Europe just like like I said just, just, just I felt like it was never there was maybe 10 minutes of real time in this entire Ryder Cup where I was like the like the European team could lose this and I didn't really know if they'd even lose it I just thought they may tie it and and lose the cup that way yeah pretty one sided yeah, with a couple of points to touch on there. But yeah, the, so the driver wedge thing, just so many of the PGA tournaments, over right. 50% probably are set up that way, right? Where like you can take driver and it's just not very penal off the, when you hit into the rough and you could still hit a wedge and, and be fine. And just, that was one of the most remarkable things to me about that course and the way they set it up, which is the rough was so penalizing. Yeah. Um, and the one of the other things I noticed too is the it just seemed those fairways seemed to get so narrow the further you hit the ball. And so the team Europe like just super accurate driving the ball and seemed to be seemingly like okay laying back a little bit because they just hit those longer irons into the green like perfectly fine, just the absolute ball striking clinic, as you mentioned. Um yeah, so I thought thought that was interesting also. But yeah, um it's interesting when they have um sort of the freedom to set the course up the, the, the way that they want to. Um, and I think they really did a nice job kind of exploiting what team USA is not very good at um, in, in setting up the course this past weekend. So the other thing um, you mentioned, the, the Rory Hackett thing was really interesting because so going into Sunday, obviously with that video coming out the night before, I personally myself was not really sure how Rory was going to come out I, I i really didn't know I, that's why i was so interested to see that match and I, I thought there might be a chance that he might um come out a little flat to be quite honest because every time we see the spotlight on him not really in that way but in the on the way of like oh pressure winning a major he just kind of seems that seems a shy way and so you know but you and i have talked about this before like when you're on say like an nfl side and you you know you have a team that you that you're betting on and you you turn on the first 30 seconds of the game and you know right away that you are on right. the wrong side like right. that that is how you would feel, how i felt with with my opinion about rory on sunday like it was just going to be very clear that um it fueled him and did not detract from his game so that was very impressive yeah, I the just the look on his face and like the the attitude that he was sort of walking around with, the interviews that he gave, very stoic, very businesslike, pretty pissed, obviously, still from what happened. And for those that didn't see it, and I don't know how you haven't at this point, if you haven't, Patrick Cantlay's uh caddy, and God, I feel like the backstory on this is crazy, but 
to try to get to the beginning of this without going through Patrick Cantlay's life, um, he hasn't worn hats at a lot of team competitions. Um, it's sort of his thing, no hat Pat. Like that's one of his nicknames. Came into this tournament, didn't wear a hat. And there was a story that came out from a British journalist that said he wasn't wearing a hat because um, he they weren't being sponsored. He wasn't being compensated for doing so. So he wasn't going to wear the logo because Team USA didn't pay him. And um, knowing some of Cantlay's like interviews about like the live split and about tour revenue, like that is sort of a story that would be believable for for him. So I think it it grew some legs. Um, and by the time he played uh, on the Saturday match, um, that had gotten around to the crowd, and the crowd was sort of taunting him at every green by waving their hats at him. Um, comes to the 18th, he's in his uh, best ball match uh, with. I forget who, but against Rory um, with like a 35, 40 foot putt to, to I think secure a tie. And if Rory had missed secure a point or something along those scenarios, but definitely a make miss scenario makes his 40 footer um, and, and his caddy, Joe LaCava takes off his hat, starts waving it at the crowd. But while he's doing this is like probably a foot away from Rory, who's lining up his whole tying um, you know, match saving putt uh, stands near or on his line, depending on the camera view. But more importantly, just lingers there for like an uncomfortable amount of time. Um, and when this happens, people from Team Europe start to yell at him. Like I know Shane Lowry got into it with him um, and he got into it back with him. And it just caused this big uproar on the 18th. Um, where where was I going with all that? That was <laughs> such a story. But then. Yeah, so after so after after the, the tournament, after, right, yeah, yeah. He, there's yeah. video of Rory in the parking lot taken by somebody's cell phone that shows him like being held back by Lowry, like cussing uh, Bones out, JT's caddy, um, and it's just very unlike Rory's public perception to show like that much anger and like lose his cool like that. Um, so yeah, like you said, like I think going into Sunday you would think this dude is just going to plow his opponent but yeah i guess you're right like his his history his history would say that that could have gone two separate ways but to your point um when he walked up like plowed his first drive like 330 something right down the middle like it was very evident what game he was bringing and how that how that match was going to go but that whole sequence for me is going to sort of like one of those like things that i said will linger after like when i think of this particular Ryder Cup in Rome like that image of Cantley's caddy, like with his hat above his head, waving it and standing in front of Rory as he's trying to read his putt, like stands out to me as like a perfect like still shot of of everything. It's just a wild, wild golf story. Yeah, it would have been great to have uh, some audio from that that video in the parking lot afterwards because I would like to hear what was being said, who it was being directed at. Also, like you can see in the video. He's like pointing at somebody who's not Bones. Like he's pointing kind of path. He's he's directing right. his like yelling at Bones, and that's the one he's kind of arguing with. But I don't think that's who he's upset with. I think he's pointing like at Lakava. That's a assumption because you can't see him in the video. But um, yeah, I think I would have to say that like um, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of fans of Joe Lakava out there because of his history caddying for Tiger Woods and his, his history caddying. He's had an incredible career caddying. Um, since I think mid to late nineties, but um, yeah, I think he kind of got a little uh, caught up in the moment and maybe just like 
overstepped a little bit. Like, I, you know, it's, it's one thing to kind of like engage with the crowd and kind of fire back at them. We saw Burns do that, which was, yeah, it's customary. Cool. I think something, it's customary. I think, yeah, I think yeah. something was said to him and he kind of just lashed out back at him, but um, which I'm fine with. I, I like that a lot, but yeah, you don't typically see like caddies and players going at it like that. That was a first for me, um, even at a Ryder cup. So I think if you asked him, um, he might say he took it a little bit too far, but, but at the same time, um, you know, that's why we love events like this. It gives you something new and something fresh and something exciting to talk about, about golf that would, that you just don't get at your normal everyday stroke play tournament, you know? So, um, yeah, the hat thing was incredible. It just, the theme carried for the whole weekend. We saw maybe, I don't know how many guys, four or five guys take their hats off for Sunday for Team USA. We have JT tipping his cap on every for single eight, hole. 18 straight holes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so there no shortness of, of content and things to talk about. So, yeah, it delivered for sure. Yeah, I love I love the crowd aspect too. It is probably my favorite part of the Ryder Cup, like off the course. Like it actually just sounds like a sounds and feels like a real sporting event for one uh, like for one time outside of like i I think for the most part normal tournaments are like more always more subdued except for like the 17th at scottsdale and stuff like that but um it's cool that like you can get a whole crowd against somebody but it's also still quiet and intimate enough where you can have moments like sam burns being able to like fire back at one dude he heard like talk about something um and i think from all the interviews that take place, it is probably one of the players' favorite things too, is like the environment. And, you know, it is really a home field advantage for Europe here. It'll be a home field advantage for the US in a couple a couple years in New York. Um, and it adds like another like I said, it's like like yeah, I know golf courses aren't like home. There's no one home golf course, but just having a partisan crowd like actually gives a team an advantage. Like it it again resembles like an actual legitimate sport. Um, yeah, really, really fun for me. Um, before we move on, I have to issue, uh, and I guess this sort of touches on, on team USA a little bit. Like I got to eat a little bit of crow and call myself out. Like I've been on Homa all year in his whole career about not being a clutch player, like shrinking in majors. And that is still true. Like he, he still doesn't have like a big event win on tour, but like one of the very, very few, uh, like huge performers for, for team USA the entire weekend, um, was incredibly clutch in singles, um, multiple chip-ins all weekend, multiple like huge clutch putts, played probably the best uh, of everybody on Team USA. I believe he had the best record as well. Um, big, big apologies to him because he showed up. Like, I, like, you know, if he plays like this and I think some of the other guys play to their baseline, like that's a route for a Team USA win. Um, and then, yeah, like JT, like I, I think, you know, was probably the last pick. If you had to ask everybody, like certainly wasn't informed, but I can't think of too many other guys from team USA. They played better than him all weekend and, um, really was sort of fiery and a character for us and was, it was fighting, but yeah, I'd say that the two or two of my most scrutinized players like actually showed up for, for team USA. Um, but then I will sort of, when I think of team Europe, like other than Hovland, who was on fire and Rom's like moments and that match with Scheffler, like on Sunday, like super fun. Um, I will also remember, and probably most of all, like I felt like every time they cut to Justin Rose, he was making some 10 to 20 foot putt to tie, win, tie, win. Um, and every single time there was one of those putts required, like I felt like he made it. And I just have that image of him just like 
wide leg crouch down, like double fist pump on 18 and pretty much, you know, 10 other times when he had those moments. Um, one of the true standouts for team Europe, considering his sort of, uh, you know, controversial selection being like the elder statesman for team Europe, but overall, like very, I give it like an, like an a minus I'd say on the course. Um, I know it wasn't ultra competitive, but just like Europe's brilliance was cool to watch. Um, but overall, as an event, I'm giving it a B, way lower grade. And this sort of gets to the last thing I want to touch on. This coverage sucks so much. Um, it was so frustrating. I don't understand nowadays how when there are literally two and then four and then only six golf balls on the course being played at some point um, because of the alternate shot, how we're not seeing every goddamn golf shot on the course. Like It makes no sense to me. I understand in singles when there's 12 matches going on, you can't watch every single uh, shot from every single match. I know you're going to show like the big time names, but in this alternate shot and best ball mode, when there are four matches going on at once, unacceptable for me to miss like two to three holes of somebody's match or to uh, see a, see a shot out of the fairway, have no idea where the opposing team is, have no idea what the implications are. Um, And then watching uh, Tony Finau and Annika Sorostam, uh on my screen a thousand times and Derek Jeter and you know the other five commercials that were played on YouTube TV for the entirety of the event um, very very poor and I think again um, a theme that I think we've brought up a few times in this podcast is Twitter is very rarely united on one issue um, but if they are you probably know it's the right side and I saw a lot of anger justifiably so about the amount of commercials and yeah when, when you're starting to watch at 130 and you're trying to stay awake and you're seeing one golf shot uh and then a commercial and then three golf shots and then a commercial uh very very tough look for NBC slash peacock slash streaming the entire weekend yeah um okay yeah a lot of great points there no first of all number one the crowd Yes, incredible. The the home field advantage thing aspect is is really cool. I was so I was watching a little bit on Sunday morning with um with Natalie and she was taught she was saying like, well, I thought they were supposed to be like, you know, quiet when when these guys are hitting. And I was like, oh no, like the, they are the people on this hole are being quiet. That's noise from like two holes over that you're hearing. It's just like that loud um is is just really cool and and you know that that plays into sort of an aspect of like oh i'm hitting this shot but like i'm also wondering what's going on in this other hole like what momentum swing just just kind of occurred um yeah like you getting out in front of the uh the max homa stuff i think tom might yeah. be coming for you a little bit later so uh good for you <laughs> good for you to get out in front of that one um and then yeah yeah the tv coverage obviously you know it, it's unfortunately what we've kind of come to expect at the at the highly watched events, especially because those are the ones where most people are tuning in the Ryder cups and the majors and all that kind of stuff. And just like the, the playing through thing is, is just incredibly bad. They just they show me like, half the commercials and take away the playing right. through. Like you can't see anything. <laughs> so frustrating. They, and they cut to it like mid ball flight sometimes. Right. Like, it's like to <laughs> trying to watch a golf ball on one quarter of the screen. Like it's just, it's so useless. <laughs> yeah. It's just, um, it, it's really it's really frustrating and I, I obviously understand nothing about it from the business aspect the advertising aspect i i don't understand that at all but um 
I think there has to be a better way. I just don't understand what is holding it back. Um, but yeah, it, it it would be, you know, and, and I think like it was better on the final day um, towards the end, obviously when they're showing, you know, when you're seeing most of the shots and it's less commercials, but as you said, like for the early morning and like the, some of the, the earlier coverage on Friday and Saturday, it was just so terrible and, and really tough to watch um, for that reason. So yeah, very frustrating, but um, it's what we got at this point. So, so that's what we're sort of uh, dealing with. But yeah, I got I got no other lingering thoughts about the Ryder Cup. I'm pretty much dead set on going to Beth Page, so I'll be doing that. Uh, I can't. I already can't wait. Like I'm just, I'm already like lathering up for discussing next cycles rosters and like captains and all that, but. I think we probably got to hold off on on starting that train right now, but I will be in Beth Page in two years to do that. Hundred um, percent, I will be there as well. And I think that New York atmosphere is going to be uh, oh, that will be wild, maybe, maybe yeah. even more insane than Rome. I don't know. We'll see. It's a tough act to follow, but uh, I'm excited. Yeah, us countrymen, us Italian stallions, we can get it done. Um, all right, let's go. Let's go on to our main sport now. We're we're officially we're almost going to become an entirely NFL podcast with the Ryder Cup out of the way. Um, this is where I want to start, and I want to get it off my chest. This is uh, I, I've waited to sort of dish on this topic uh, since Sunday afternoon. I think uh, guys like you and me, our whole lives or most of our adult lives, we we have uh, a privilege that is discussed most of the time in a negative way and we're definitely not a polarizing podcast um so we haven't really touched on it yet but there are people in this world that are more privileged than others um they grow up under better circumstances they have better lives for many reasons um but i'm going to call out my own privilege and explain how it's it's sort of driving me crazy it's called the tom brady privilege that's the privilege that me and you and a lot of guys like us grew up with we have led better lives than every other football fan. Uh, we're, we're benefited advantageously against the rest of the world. And I understand why that's looked down upon, but it's nothing to be ashamed of. The Brady privilege is is real and we should be proud of it. Um, but here's the downside of, of this privilege. Um, watching this Patriots team makes me, I, I'm in a place where I've never had to sort of be before with, with my sports life. Um, We've been blessed like most of our adult lives to have Brady Patriots were bad before that, but it was before I was like a, like a rampant fan of, of football. Um, knowing that you have like, so like 0% chance of winning a Super Bowl, um, is a place that I'm not used to being. Um, but I'm very, 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 very close to getting there with this Patriots team. Um, and I don't, everything that I know and love and believe is now sort of in question because of that performance in Dallas, because of the two injuries today to are probably our two best overall players. Um, we're signing, uh, we're signing corners back to our team that can't start, uh, sorry, can't make the game day roster for the worst defense in the NFL, um, to try to fix those issues. Uh, I actually have to look at the objective evidence and wonder if our quarterback is actually good. Um, our coach, who is the greatest coach of all time, is on the quote-unquote hottest seat of all time. Um, I don't know how to react to this. I don't know how to cope with this. It's been driving me crazy. 
Um, where where do you stand? Am I at the right level of panic, sadness, uh, depression, anger with this team? Is there any hope? Like my my fear is that we may be stuck in like a legit five year run of of like bullshit here. Like I just don't see many bright spots at all to hold on to uh, with this squad. Yeah, it's tough. The um, I like the the Brady privilege though. That's that's something I've thought about, not in the, that context exactly, but I can remember. Um, you know, so start, sort of starting like towards the decline of his career, but when he was still on the Patriots, like thinking to myself and watching games and and just seeing like how good they were for so long, and and I remember like having the conscious thought that like you really need to be appreciative of this because it will not yes continue to be this way all the time um and the fact that they were able to do it for so long is um just incredible yes we are we are truly blessed to have to have witnessed that um period for them especially at the time of our lives when we did um so i'm i'm very grateful for that but yeah currently um it, it's really hard i re- i can remember too also watching like um, the Patriots back in back in their heyday, and and hearing these other teams and other fan bases talk about like, oh man, like there's so much hope going into Week One, and and, and like you said, it's just dashed. And then maybe you keep a little bit more hope going into Week Two and Three, and then by Week Four, you pretty much just know that it's it's a zero percent chance. And and how quickly the NFL season just just passes you by. And and I can remember thinking like, man, that must be. That must suck so much. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't. I cannot relate to that. I just can't. Um, but now I can. And yeah, uh, thank God for things like fantasy and these survivor pools and and this podcast and things like that. The things that I can still get up for. But yeah, I don't have a ton of faith in this Patriots team. Obviously, for this season. But as you mentioned, even even in the coming years, I think. Um, I don't know where I stand on Mac Jones, to be quite honest. Um, I, I think, I think Sunday was really, really bad. Um, and I think he's hot he's take been, right there. Yeah. I think he's been bad, not that bad, but I think he's been bad enough times where, and it's been enough of a, of a sample size of his career where we can start to wonder whether, you know, he really is the guy. And I, I don't know, to be quite honest. Um, and that's a tough call to make, but, you know, just given on what we've seen, I think uh, I think it might be a good idea to probably look elsewhere in the coming seasons. Um, and I don't know if it all solely falls on him either. Um, the run game has not been good. The There's just a lot of things you can point to. But, um, yeah, pretty frustrating. I don't – here's my thing with Mac. I, I think – I still think he's good. Now, do I – my – my thoughts of him being a top five, top seven, um, like a team carrying quarterback, those are gone. Um, but I do still hold out some hope that like he is a guy that on the right team you could win a Super Bowl with. And I sort of think of like if you put him in San Francisco, I think he is doing exactly what, if not more, than somebody like Brock Purdy is doing. I think if you put him in Denver, like their offense looks good. Think if you put him in Washington, like places like that, or Atlanta, like he'd be great in Atlanta. Um, 
I don't know of too many quarterbacks outside of like the guys in this league that would be having any semblance of success with this offense right now. And just, I feel like nobody's ever open. I feel like Mac is constantly under pressure. And I do think that's sort of gotten to him. Like, I think that he, he is rushing everything because he's so used to just getting smacked around all game. And I know like Mahomes carries a team with like, I, I know Kelsey's amazing, but like their receivers aren't anything special, but he just carries that team. Like, I think he would like you switch for somebody like him on the Patriots. Like they're a Super Bowl contender, but outside of like that truly elite, like franchise changing quarterback, I just don't know if anybody could have success with the lack of like athleticism on the offense right now. Like it's just so boring to watch and so depressing that like, when Dallas was up two touchdowns, like the game was just over. Like there was just no way this offense was going to be able to score two full touchdowns. And that's so like, like against what Brady's teams were, because I remember like every game when they would play like shit, it was like, okay, not only is this game going to be okay, but I know like this season will be okay because Tom will just carry us. And when we used to lose like stupid ass games and, there'd be all this bullshit in the media. Like I would immediately just rule it out. Cause it's like, no, we just like, we don't, we just don't suck with Tom no matter what. And now like all these same hot takes are going through the media, but now like 10% of me is like, you know, like there's some truth to that now. And that's just a devastating feeling. I used to mock all of these fan bases that sucked for years and had like no chance. And it's been tough to be on the other side of that type of bullying from the NFL community. Like we're on all the NFL like live shows. Like everybody says we suck and it's, it's, it's never been that way before. And it's been tough to take. The, the community is uh, ready to jump on that Patriots hate too. After all those years. Of, yeah. Uh, and I get, success, I get it. But... I get it. You give it, you give it out for 20 plus years. You have to now take it, but it's just, this is so shitty. Yeah. Well, and you, you saw some of that stuff come out as well. Like, even when Brady was still playing on the Patriots and the times where they would lose like close games or, or they'd, they'd lose big games or they wouldn't make a, a deep playoff run. And you would start to hear that chatter of like, Oh, well, like Brady's just doing it with like basically nothing. Like he has no, right. his receipt, the receivers that he has is, is are just a joke. And so it's always just been that way. And now that, you know, it's Mac. Like he need he got to get not, him some He help, just can't he, carry a team. He just yeah. can't. He's just not that physically talented. Yeah. And it just yeah. that's just is what it is. But the the Patriots just from like a whole like top down like organizational standpoint that's just never been who they are is like to go right. and like sign those type of guys and that's that's where I really struggle because it feels like it, you're just between a rock and a hard place. Like if you're gonna continue with Mac. And he's going to be that like average to slightly above average quarterback. And you want to be a Super Bowl contender. Like you need the best defense in the league. You need to be able to, to protect him and you need some, some receiver weapons. Like it, it just, it is what it is. And, and so I, I don't know, like it, it, one of those two things has to change. Like you can start over and, and say, Max, not the guy and, and go and try and draft a quarterback or you can continue to believe in Mac, but you need to, I think, from a stylistic and drafting and free agent signing and trading, the whole philosophy almost has to change, I think. 
Yeah, I'm with you. And throughout the Brady years, like I think like the the Bill Belichick can't draft or develop offense thing is I think a little bit overplayed because, you know, like we we won six Super Bowls. So you'd have to have a semblance of an offense. I do think like there's always been just on any successful Patriots team, one like true playmaker. Like, and we just don't have anybody like that. Like it may not be an outside receiver, but like um, Corey Dillon first, like one of the best running backs in the league, like carry that offense, like one or two like speed receivers on those teams. And then when we didn't have receivers, it was tight ends and you know, like Rob Gronkowski, not a receiver, but like always open uh, Julian Edelman, like not your like stereotypical, like alpha receiver, like on the outside, but like always could get open. And I just think that that like is the issue. We just don't have a receiver tight end running back that can create any separation from a defense. Like nobody is threatened. It makes everything more condensed. It, it makes it easier to play defense. Obviously, like I'm not a football coach, but that's just obvious. Yeah, it's tough. And I, I don't know. I don't know when that ends. And I just feel like it's, it's not like lack of effort. We just keep like swinging and missing on offensive players. Like we spend all this money, but these guys just don't aren't the answer. I don't know if that's a scouting thing. Cause it's hard. It's hard for me to believe that the guy that, you know, drafted Edelman in the seventh round traded for Welker when he sucked, um, signed Moss when everybody thought he was cooked, like that. He just doesn't know how to draft good players, but swings and misses a lot. I think every team swings and misses a lot, but we have like now two or three years where we swung and missed. And that just leaves you with like, you have to hit once. <laughs> like you don't have to hit every single time, but not hitting for this stretch. Like I think just kills it. Um, but I have a hard time believing like, like is Mac Jones any worse at football than like Kirk cousins? Um, I don't, I don't personally think so. Um, and cousins like, could like there's a there's a scenario in my brain where he could be a Super Bowl winning quarterback or like Derek Carr or somebody like that like those definitely aren't elite team carriers but I don't think he's much worse than like that second tier or third tier of like like startable serviceable like win win with a bull like quarterback so but with this yeah, with I this think, cast there's no chance I think it's all right I think it's always been if you look at the total 100% of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that if you're in the top 75% of quarterbacks, I think there is some path to a Super Bowl win. I think that the, most yeah. of the quarterbacks in the league, if you're a starting NFL quarterback, you have enough tools to make that happen. If you're in that bottom 25%, maybe you are just that bad and and you're, you're making such poor decisions and you just can't read a defense and, and, there's just no way that it's ever going to possibly happen. Now, obviously, like we see stronger quarterbacks than the top 10%, top 15%, whatever it is, win Super Bowls or contend or or show up in Super Bowls more often. But we've also seen those like middle to even bottom half guys win Super Bowls as well. So it's not to say it's impossible. Um, but yeah you know there it, it's it's all those teams that pretty much look the same um and you know the patriots are always put a lot of emphasis on defense always put a lot of emphasis on special teams um they try to run the ball but when you don't have any wide receiver weapons like you just stack the box and and let 
you know, let these other guys go one-on-one because they, as you said, just cannot get separation. So it's hard to run the ball when you, when you can't learn, there's right. no, not much of a passing threat. Right. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. So frustrating. Yeah. Not good times. Ed. No, it's not, it's not. And I, I'm glad I was finally able to talk about that a little bit. I've literally just been holding it in uh, the whole week. It's been tough to, to go on the Twitter streets when everything is like, I think the theme this week was that like Mac is done. Like, I think that was a prevalent theme. And when you throw, um, when you throw two pick sixes and a fumble six, like in a game and all those throws are like late across the field, like pretty rough watch. And I get that, but it's been tough to be on this, this other side of the coin. Um, I know our guest is almost ready, but the last storyline I wanted to get to before we get on and give our picks and dish on some other teams while we're doing that. Um, I'm done with the Taylor Swift theme of, of the NFL. Uh, I've had enough. Um, I was just talking to you earlier about big cats theory and I, I subscribe to it that if, uh, if Taylor Swift is going to take Sundays from us, we're going to need something back from, from her. Um, and she's given us nothing yet. I do now believe that, uh, the chiefs are having the games like extra rigged for them. Um, you know, starting with that jets game where, um, the best cornerback in the league played perfect defense against a shit ass receiver on like third and 20, um, right after, uh, two chiefs offensive linemen, like blatantly held, uh, down the field. Um, that holding call gives them a first down ice is the game for them. Um, it takes a lot for me to root for the jets, as I've said before. Um, but yeah, the, the chiefs right now to me are the most obnoxious franchise. Again, uh, I've had enough of Travis Kelsey. I've had enough of Taylor Swift. Um, I understand why the NFL is doing this, uh, because like, it's literally the only demographic that they don't dominate in ratings is like young girls. And now they've got that too. So I get it. Um, but like Travis Kelsey's fantasy, uh, preview, on the sleeper app is a Taylor Swift icon. DraftKings made his price this past week, like um, some uh, what's it like six 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 nine or something like six sixteen. I forget one something that's like a Taylor Swift song. Um, the NFL is tweeting out about her. The the Jets account is like where Swifties too. Um, I, I've had enough and I, I just want like these were two areas of of life and interest that never intersected before for good reason. And I think they should go back to never intersecting again. It's just it's a little too much now. <laughs> well, that's great stuff. I did not know about the DraftKings stuff. That's uh there's that's more. Amazing. Like there's more too. Somebody was <laughs> like, there's some other website that has it. I just couldn't think of it, but there's more like stuff just like that. So annoying. Yeah, that is. Um... Oh, I got it. The fucking fast forward button on YouTube TV Sunday night was a Taylor Swift icon. Like if you moved it back and forth, it was like her album cover or something on, on Sunday night football. Like, what the fuck are we doing right now? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess she just takes over wherever she goes. Well, the most frustrating thing about it for me is like, it's just so obvious that this is just such like a pr like you don't think they're actually dating right no there's no chance that they're dating i've i've never looked at two people who have less chemistry and also like you can sort of tell what two adults look like if they're dating or even let's just not even dating i can tell what two adults look like if they have had sex before and they're interacting those two are not dating they have not had sex they're not having sex they're not dating this is 
all a fabrication. It's so it's so annoying. And just yeah, every the fact that like everyone or the NFL has bought into it and is playing into it. I again I get it too, but yeah, I some of the videos too that came out of her like getting snuck out in like a popcorn machine or whatever right. that was and now we're cutting to her in you know in the box every 30 seconds on I like a see, second uh, down and four run why are we looking at taylor swift on second and yeah. four like a two-yard run i did see something from portnoy where she there was somebody like holding a high noon seltzer like two two spots down and he was like for the love of god pass that drink two spots down <laughs> <laughs> the price the sales just would go through the roof um but yeah it just it, it it goes to show you that everything in our world today is that way it's just a way to market employ and make money and and it's just all business but there's no yeah, we thought that our NFL Sundays would be free of Taylor Swift, but if the dollar signs are coming in, like she's going to be sticking around for a long time, I think. As long as it until like the I, I don't know what has to happen for it to to go away like but uh as long as it's working for them from a business perspective, I I don't think it's going anywhere unfortunately. No, 100%. And it's just going to it has been and will continue to be just not not even subtle. She won't be present like shove down our throats like the entire time. And I know the Chiefs play Minnesota. She already said she's going to be at that game. Like expect if you're watching that game, like to just watch more of her. Like it's just, obviously it's never going to tune. Like people always get outraged and say like, oh, it's going to tune fans out. Like nothing's going to stop me from watching football, but it's just so annoying because it's it, it just never stops. It's just relentless. Like maybe that's what it is. It's just, it's too much too often. Like, you can give it to me and I'll, you know, I'll have to accept it. But yeah, like, come on, just lay off just a little bit, like in the and first I also, quarter. I also don't get what the draw, like, I understand that, like, her fandom is on another level. Of it's a cult. That I, probably, that I don't yeah. understand. But I think that even if it, if there was an artist who I, like, really liked or enjoyed their music and, and even had been to their concerts, whatever it happens to be, and I saw them at a game. I would think it was cool, like the first time. And then if I saw them like seventeen more times, even though I'm a fan of theirs, I I still I don't understand what the draw is to just watch her up in the press box. These like people I, are crazy. That that's literally the draw. <laughs> is these these people are absolutely insane. Like I don't I don't get it either. But they watch everything she does. Like there's nothing that they don't follow, and they will watch her every single week just for the cutaways of her in the box, like yelling with Donna Kelsey. Like, I don't, I don't get that either, but that is what it is. If that continues to draw viewers, it's never going to stop. So isn't it a ready. little early for her to have met Travis Kelsey's mom? As First well? game. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's not fake or anything. Like I, I often have, you know, I often have met my, my that's, you know, a girl's parents on the first, first time we ever met in person. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that that seems like totally organic to me but yeah dude just the way like they walked out of that first game together like i've never seen two like stiffer like less compatible totally platonic like male and female ever um so yeah, very it evident like a, to me. it looked like a middle school dance the way they're holding yes them. that's actually a very good like a very good comparison like there's just no elbow flex whatsoever between the two of them um and for kelsey like 
amazing player, but it's always to me been like a little bit of a wannabe. And this just sort of adds like to my annoyance of him. Um, actually a pretty entertaining dude, but just like I've always felt like he's been a wannabe Gronk and the the theme continues with that for this whole ploy. But dude is about to gain like 8 million uh, followers on social media and like double up his contract. So I guess I get that too. Yep. But all signs pointing that way, unfortunately. Yep. All right. So I know, I know our guest is ready to go. Let's get him on. Let's talk about the rest. All right. We now welcome our second repeat guest, the newest member uh, of the KMAC clan. Tom, welcome back, man. Welcome back. What's going on? Thanks guys. Great. Uh, great to be back. Uh, got off the Island last week, uh, probably a day after Kevin. It was awesome. So, um, married man now and, uh, yeah, feels good. Do you also take a, uh, a tiny plane off the Island? Kev told us about his, uh, his death defying experience trying to take one of like the puddle hoppers off. <laughs> no, I waited, I waited for the fairies. I felt like since it was my wedding, I couldn't be like, bailing on everybody else uh it would have been really funny if i had taken a, a plane off and been like all right everybody figure it out yeah but <laughs> that's good uh, <laughs> that's good perspective from you there tom yeah i i never really thought about it like that but that's a that's a great point i was joking with my friends about how funny it would have been if like they were calling me asking what to do and i there's like plane noises in the background i was like hey yeah i don't know if fairy should start tomorrow <laughs> i can't come out i won't see you probably i'm very busy but <laughs> that's good chivalry it's very chivalrous for the for the rest of the group let's uh let's ditch that though and and get down to some degenerate stuff we all we told you to come with five picks i got five k max got five i think as we get into it it'll sort of spur uh some thoughts about how we feel about some of these teams how we feel about this season um but i'm interested to see who you like i sort of have a grasp by now about what Ke- uh, what teams Kevin likes, who he likes to bet on, who he believes in, who he doesn't. So I'm interested to see like an objective third party's uh, third party's thoughts. Um, so with that in mind, do you want to start? Give your first sure. uh, first recommended yeah. play. Yeah, my first pick um, taking Jacksonville and the points um, in London. I just feel like they're, everything points to this being a letdown spot. The trip to London, the massive blowout last week for Buffalo. Um, and I, I, like, I like Jacksonville in that spot. Probably, you know, I, I don't love Jacksonville as a team, but I just like the, I like the situation with, with um, some points uh, with Buffalo on the road. I have that same game, that same pick. You got that same one, Kip? <laughs> No, I did not touch that game. I um I thought about it. I would have I would have been on the Jags um had I taken it. Um I don't I don't believe in them though, just like you, Tom. I went back and forth on this one. <laughs> they don't look super good, but I do think for all of the reasons you just said, like coming off that Miami win, I just feel like this is perfect, like like let down out of the division overseas territory. They just lost their best cornerback. I'm hoping that lets the Jacksonville offense look like something competent. But I also I wouldn't be surprised if this was like just a very one sided beatdown by like a good team over not such a good team because I'm not even sure Jacksonville is like a good team. Just haven't really shown yeah. much at all. I think we're gonna find out this weekend if they're if it's even worth considering betting on them again for the rest of the year because if they get crushed this weekend, then yeah, we we know we know what we've got. 
Yeah, they're in like that, like like Vikings, Chargers, like good team who just somehow never plays good. So are they really a good team? Like type of type of squad. So I'm sort of on that same on that same train of thought. Um, Kev, you want to go? Yeah, I'll I'll go with my first one. Um, so my first one's gonna be um Colts plus one and a half at home against the Titans. Um. I thought I was pretty impressed with them last week, but Richardson in particular, I think um, had a really strong game last week. I think he had three to- uh, total touchdowns. I saw Jonathan Taylor pr- uh, practice today. I believe, I don't know if he's going to play this Sunday or not. I think they're going to kind of see how the rest of the week plays out um, on that. But I like them in this spot at home um, getting points. I don't have a ton of faith in, in Tennessee. So um, I'm going to go with them. What do they have to do to convince you? After they just kicked the shit out of the Bengals last week, the Titans. Yeah. Well, I, I I'm just very, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of the Bengals either. Although, stay tuned. I have a, I, I do have a side in that game. Oh, <laughs> I, I so almost I. was on the other side. Yeah, I was almost on Tennessee. I looked at, I was like, I don't believe in Richardson, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I stayed away from that game, but that that's an interesting take. I would have I would have gone the other way with it after what Tennessee did last week. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as Tom where where I I looked at that game but when you get like two bad teams with like a very small spread, I don't want to just bet what amounts to like a money line on a game that like both teams could lose equally. I don't know if any team like really wins that game. Um, I always have this like and I think this is like to a fault, but I think about what happened the week before and like perception and how it sways a certain way and i yeah. always seem to just go in the op like whether that's right i think i don't think that's right all the time either but i just always seem to sort of tend towards that way so that's that's sort of my thought process yeah no i think i think i'm with you because i'm going to tell you exactly how i feel about tennessee um by my first pick being the bengals giving the points at your boys uh the cardinals um this game is a field goal i I don't know how Cincinnati has been uh, this bad, but holy shit, if they go and lose to the Cardinals and they're giving it like if you had showed me this preseason and said in week four or whatever week, week five, the Bengals are going to be going to the Cardinals and you can get that line at a field goal like that's like a mortgage play. So I'm just hoping like this team that has these expectations is something resembling close to like fulfilling those. This is the last chance. This is the last chance. I've been, I've <laughs> took a bath on Cincinnati the entire year. If they don't win and cover this game and frankly, like win decisively, uh, that's it. Just shut it down. Shut Burrow down. Like just go into next season. Cause this is, Ed, this, this, this lo- can't happen. I love it. So you know, this might be shocking to hear, but I, I am on the same side. I, um, oh. for, all, all the, for all the same reasons, I just, uh, I literally had the same thoughts in my head pre like, if I had seen this line five weeks ago, what would I would have just like passed out? Like, just, right. just what is going on that it has come this far? Um, and yeah, I gotta be on, I gotta be on the Bengals in this spot. I think, it, yeah, this is this is the time, and if not now, banned for life. The Cardinals, the Cardinals are like the most terrifying team to bet against this year, though. They're like, so they're freaking frisky. De- they're, they're so frisky. <laughs> I took them against the Cowboys. It was the most heart, the terrifying bet of my life, but it hit. <laughs> I I don't even understand how it's happening. Like I in the beginning of the season, I was just like, all right, whatever team is playing Arizona is like an automatic survivor pick like every single week. 
that's not even close to the case anymore. Like they're they're a live dog like every single week now uh, until further notice. All right, Tom, next one. All right, I'll 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 put my most uh, ridiculous pick of the week out there. Get that out of the way. Um, I'm going to, to take the Jets and the points this week. So I can't believe ridiculous. I'm saying that, but, but uh, you got to do it. I mean, Broncos are horrific. Yeah, the Jets. The Jets defense is really good. I don't understand. I'm how, on them. Yeah, I'm on I don't em. understand how you do it. Let's go. I'm same, on them too. Same, same. Are you? You? You are too. I am. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They showed up. They showed up against the Chiefs. I was impressed. I was on them on the Chiefs. Uh, they delivered, and uh, no time to get off now. Yeah. No, I don't have a lot of faith in the Broncos either. So. The the Jets defense is the best the best unit in that game, and that's the uh, that's the only reason why I don't understand. I don't understand. That's not a pick them to get even a point is weird. Like yep. what? Like I think a pop Warner offense could score on Denver. Like everybody, the Bears just put up thirty plus points against them, and they're pathetic. The Dolphins seventy the week before. Like yep. Zach Wilson, I don't think Zach Wilson's good. The fellatio he was getting on Monday or Sunday night football. <laughs> Um, from Collinsworth was, was like just outlandish, like he like a completes like just a normal like five yard out. He's like, that's the throw we've been waiting for right there out of Zach Wilson. I don't think that's happening, but like anybody puts up points against this offense, and I don't think Denver is going to do the same against this defense. With, did you see with the their interview? Did you see the interview after the game? I think it was somebody yes. they were interviewing, like the Jets player and Rodney. I don't know exactly what that Harrison, was, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's Chris yeah, it goes he, off. He was going on Chris Jones from the Chiefs yeah. and just yeah, wanted him yeah. to say that Zach Wilson's garbage. But I think if a former player feels that way, like everybody knows football. And I think that's I know you're never going to get a current player to come out and say that this dude sucks. But I think that everybody, everybody knows the truth. Like when he's he's fighting with his teammates every single week, like I think everybody knows what's up. But even he should be able to complete passes against this team. So that's that's my hope. I can't believe yeah. the unanimous New York Jets <laughs> confidence right there. I'm happy we have, we have to bet. We, I, I have to. I have to put some money on that now because that's just too. That's just a sign. It's a sign that we're probably gonna get wiped out. But that's, that's you right. Should that's right. Right. You should actually yeah. probably face <laughs> The public is never, never the right side. So if that's what we represent, that's that's not a great, not a great sign. All right. Wow. I got all. I got all repeats with you. I'll. Uh, all right. Here it is. You wanted it? Take, yeah, take I'll, ta- it I'll take it. Patriots minus one versus the Raiders at home. Um, and I'm just willing to get killed for the tenth straight week. I'll uh, I'll be on them all season until until otherwise. Um, I'm just down to take the heartbreak. Here's my rationale for this. It's it's not a it's not with any objective evidence on the field. Um, but to the same point, I was saying with the Bengals, like if it's gonna happen, like it has to happen this game. Um. That's my only hope. I'm also hoping that like the Patriots have gotten beaten by like only the best teams in the league so far. If you're looking at a true optimist perspective right there, like Dallas, Miami, Philly, um, with two of those games being winnable. Um, when we played a bad team, we we beat them in an ugly fashion. Uh, I think the Saints are not that much better than the Jets. I'm just hoping, like I said, like one in four in that division is a wrap on the season. So uh, at home against an injured Derek Carr, um, 
not as strong a, a team overall. Like I, the, it, it just has to happen now. So it's basically a picket. It's one point at home. Give me the pats and let me drown in my own tears again. They didn't cut. Did they, did they cover the six last side. week? I have the other side of that one. Oh, I, right. knew, I figured Tom was either not going to be on that game or he would be on the Saints. Yes. I mean, I'm enjoying the Patriots misery for the first time in my life. So I'm glad. I'm just, All right. I'm just bathing in it. So <laughs> you, you don't know this, but right before you came on, we did a long like venting session about how we've been giving, we've been bullying everybody in the NFL. Uh, all of our friends, all of these fan bases for 20 years. And now being on the other side of it is particularly rough because everybody's just been waiting for this moment. And this is a good, this is a good example of what's been happening to us. You love it, yeah, right? No, like this is, yeah, you, can't, great. you don't know. It's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's the, like the first time in my life that I've seen actual like sadness and desperation. There were some people like still talking themselves into like Mac Jones last year and, now it's just all out the window. It's a complete debacle. Um, yeah, it's, it's and I mean now the defense is all banged up on the Pats. That's why, that's that, why that I, is a concern. I, that's why I'm taking. That's why I'm taking the Saints is because you lost Judon and uh, I think one of the linebackers. Not sure. Our best, who I our, best our best corner we lost yep. and Judon. Uh, yeah, I I gotta ask from a from an objective point of view, how bad do you think Mac is? Like, is he get, let me give you some, like, is he better than Zach Wilson? Yes, he is. I mean, Wilson okay, not, not that played, bad. All yeah. Right. He, he's played one like competent football that we all watched on TV, but you got to look at the body of work. Zach Wilson has been an absolute joke for two years. I mean, I think Max better than him. Kirk cousins. I mean, I'm a Brock Purdy. Uh, those guys over Mac easily. But but if you put if you put Mac Jones on San Francisco, is he better than Brock Purdy is? Man, that's a good question. Because the I'm Pats saying. just have no skill that, players at all. That was our premise that like you any any quarterback like outside of the true like game should like MVP candidates like sucks on this Patriots team. That's my hope. Yeah. That's that's also that's coming from a place of pure desperation, just FYI. Because he could just be bad. <laughs> But I think he's. Last, I think he's yeah. at like that cousins, like that. Like last mid- week. Last week was bad. That was terrible. Yeah, very, that's the worst. It, that's the worst it could that be. That was the worst. That was the worst he's played in a while. I mean, I think he's worse than Cousins. I think Cousins is a better quarterback than him. I think if you put Cousins on the Patriots, they're immediately favored by four points in on oh. this weekend. Yeah, that's what I think. I think. I think he's that. I think he's that bad right now. Um, Purdy is a good question. I think Purdy's like a, a very would be a very interesting person to put the same guy, because, right? Like yeah, a soft like arm, <laughs> like not athletic, like I don't know. But uh, yeah, that would be a great that would be a great trade if we could do that for a week and see what happens and see if, if Christian McCaffrey would just make make Mac look competent. I have no idea, but I'm gonna I'm just hoping for the misery to continue and 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 it go deeper. So I'm going Saints this week. Damn it! Just in, yeah. yeah. So this is this, <laughs> this is a Patriots fade versus this like a Saints podcast, confident. Yeah. yeah. This this podcast is a microcosm of the larger Patriots fan base versus non Patriots yes. fan base. Because Ed, I'm riding with you. I got the Patriots. Oh, minus let's, one as go, well. let's go. <laughs> <laughs> to the promised land, baby. I don't even. I don't need to say anything about it. We're just gonna. We're gonna two and four, it. dude. Coming the other way. Two and like, four, and then watch out. together. Yeah, <laughs> and then don't let us get hot because we'll just lose by you know. 
You know that's the worst loss of our entire lives, basically, what just happened last week? I read that stat. It's the worst yeah. loss Belichick has ever taken, which basically means it's the worst loss that we've ever seen as Patriots fans. So I, we didn't cover this uh, in our earlier portion of the segment, but I actually happened to be at Ed's house watching that game, and uh, we went into the garage and hit golf balls uh, in like the second <laughs> quarter. Yeah, yeah, uh, you have to. Yeah, that was, that was impossible. You guys are more loyal fans than me. I wouldn't even touch the Giants at 11 points this, this week. So there's no, there's no amount of points that that game was that game was intriguing, but I couldn't oh. <laughs> I had to stay away. <laughs> I could not believe. So let me ask you that: Daniel Jones or Mac Jones? After uh, watching Daniel what Jones. he's done, Daniel, oh, God. Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, he looks uh, great. I'm not a Dan- yeah. I'm not a Daniel yeah. Jones guy, but. Jones did show me something at the end of last year. He played well. He won a playoff game. That, that I'll give him that. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones long term. But if you had to give me one or the other right now, I'd take Jones. Probably mostly for the mobility. Like Daniel That's Jones true. can move. That's true. He can get first downs. You know that he's a weapon in that regard. But yeah, he's his decision making has been terrible. It's still terrible. It looks like uh, I saw a, a clip on Twitter of your right tackle blocking your tight end, uh, <laughs> freeing up a pass rusher who then killed God. Daniel Jones. So that's a great, uh, you know, I guess we'll <laughs> suffer together this whole season. But that's, if you haven't seen that, uh, it's Evan Neal blocking, blocking Darren Waller from blocking somebody else. Like Darren Waller's blocking uh, a rusher. He blocks him off the block and out of the picture. And that rusher obviously then just goes and, and brings down Jones like one second later. The Giants are a mess. I don't know what happened to Dayball being a genius, but it doesn't feel like that right now. So he looks like mess. he's gotten figured out a little bit. Are you yeah. on them with eleven? No, I'm not. I, I right. stayed away with it from that game. I'm not touching the Giants again. All right. Who's your next one? I only got one left, so I'm going to save it. All right. Uh, next one, I have Houston Texans plus two. Um. Yeah, Houston's been playing good and. Falcons are terrible. So I'm not – I was surprised by that line. I thought Houston might actually be favored in that game. Um, so when I saw that the Texans were getting some points, I, I jumped on it. I, I, the Falcons don't seem to be able to score, and the Texans can. So I liked Texans in that game. I I looked at that long and hard, too. That line made so little sense to me that I was, like, scared off it in a way. Like, I was just like, this is not what I would think what am I missing right now? And I just yeah. like talked myself out of taking what I thought was like a pretty obvious side. I would, I would have been on Houston as well. All right. Kev last uh, pick, last pick for you. Yeah. Last pick. Yeah. I have only one more. All right. Um, okay. My last one is going to be, I'm going back to these guys. Uh, Cowboys plus three and a half it's a tough spot, obviously on the Ooh. road in San Fran. Um, but I like them here. I think um, I think they got their sort of bad week out of the way, losing to the Cardinals. And I know they're a little banged up right now. Um, but I've I've spoken on this before. Very high on them this year, and I think um, I think this will be a big upset win for them on the road. So I'm gonna go with that one for my final pick. Nice. I'm not on either side of that. I was scared. I just want to watch that game. Yeah, yeah, that should be a great game. game. Sunday night game. Finally, yeah, finally, finally, like a real good, like good actual one. banger right one. there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My last one. Uh Steelers plus four at home versus the Ravens. Um, 
The Steelers stink. Uh, but I don't I don't think like this matchup in particular in that whole division when they play each other, like there's so few blowouts that I just think like the Steelers at home with that crowd um find a way to keep it close. I don't know if I like them to win this game, but I feel like every single one of especially the Steelers Ravens matchups comes down to the last possession, last field goal, something like that. It's always a tight game. So um give me the Steelers in that spot. But again, like I don't like I don't like that team at all long term, like the rest of the way. So all right. Tom, you're the last one. Yeah, one more. Um I've got I've got the Eagles at the Rams. I got the Eagles in that game, uh minus four. I'm not convinced the Rams are good yet. Um I'm just I'm not sold on that team. I think we'll find out this week. Um, and there were honestly got to be slim pickings at the end, but I just look at the body of work from the Eagles last year. And, and I think they're just way more talented than the Rams on offense. So um, we'll see. We'll see if like, I, I don't know if Cooper cups coming back this week. We'll see. But um, yeah, I've got the Eagles in that spot. I like that. I that was another comes, suspicious uh, I'm wait, line. I'm waiting for him. Yeah, I am too. I'm too. Question I got asked this week that I actually have, uh, have facing myself in a couple of leagues. If you have both Puka and Cooper Cup, what are you doing with one or both? Are you keeping both? Are you trading one? Are you trying to trade both? Fir- oh, you you mean like long term or just this? Yeah, week? just right. Well, right now, right now, you're in a situation where Cup Cup might come back. Uh, Puka is the best, basically the best receiver in fan, basically the best receiver in the league, basically, but it, like one of the best receivers in fantasy. If it's Cup's first week back, then I think, uh, depending on who else I have, try to find a way to start both of them, unless there's like overwhelmingly someone that I want to start above them. If I had to pick, I probably – that's tough. I, I might you're trying to trade. Cougar. You're trying to trade? Uh, yeah, like, yeah not maybe just trade. Like, I think, I think if, you, if you're forced to keep them on your team, it's hard to bench one of those dudes, but like long-term, would you? are you keeping both like the whole season and starting them together, just starting if that I was offense? Looking, I, I picked up Puka on a couple in a couple of leagues, and um, if I if you wanted to trade him, I think the time was like last week, or or, or maybe the, if if Cup doesn't play, I would think about seriously think about trading him this week because I think that people are going to be too skeptical when he when he does come back to to think that 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 his workload is going to just go way down. So I think this the sell high point is is like now, um, but yeah. Yeah, so I I would think about doing that this week. Um, I would try to start both of them this week. I'm just always wary of guys coming back off long injuries like that. Of how how much production they're going to get right away. I know it's Cooper Cup, but um, yeah, I don't know. I would keep them. I mean, you. I would keep both of them because either way, even if you keep one guy on the bench, play matchups. I mean, that's still a great backup wide receiver if you keep one of them on your bench, and if. And it's great trade bait. So, like, if Puka continues to go off, you could trade Cup, and that somebody's going to want that. That's true too. Yeah, yeah. I've been confused. I'm I'm inclined in in where I have this choice just to play both of them as starters, like until further notice. Like I've seen seen this team, this this like offense under McVay, like support like two wide receivers that are good. Uh I you'd have to. I guess you you couldn't really bench them, and it's hard for me to get like what I think would be equal value with cup on the horizon. But I think in order for me to trade them, I would have to like find somebody that is a true, like number one on a team. And I don't think if you're on the other side of that trade, like you're willing to like take some of the risks that comes with like chopping up an offense like that. 
or chopping up the targets on an offense like that. But I don't know. Like if he just, if like Puka goes from like, he's getting 15 targets a game. Like if that just goes down like half, that's eight. That's a lot for a receiver. Yeah. So I don't know. I just don't know how bad it could get with, if if Stafford is the quarterback, like how bad it could possibly get. So he's like, he's I feel super. Like the, I feel like the guys who are really going to suffer are like the the other, like Tutu Atwell and uh, Jefferson on the, I got, yeah. I have Tutu in one of my leagues. I, he's. I think I'm. I think I'm going to drop him because I just don't see how. I feel yeah. like who's been so good that I feel like Stafford's going to keep throwing to him. But those yeah. other guys, I feel like I feel like that's those are the targets that Cup's going to eat up. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Any other lingering NFL thoughts before we head on the Ryder Cup? Finish a golf podcast with a golf golf discussion. I got. I got nothing else. Now let's get to the golf. All right. Cool. Good. Cool. All right, Tom, we went into it already, but what? give me your thoughts overall on, on both teams, on what you'll remember, the, the big storylines. Like, what, what stands out to you about, about this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think this weekend is just – I'm just remembering Max Homa and his performance. I've already I, – hey, no, I, I, just, already I, just, crow. Just I already ate crow. I already did it. I apologized <laughs> before you got on. Ed got out ahead of it. Yeah, he apologized <laughs> to the world. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I've had my thoughts, but I can't you can't say anything negative about that dude. He was like the only American that like truly came through and he did it like in incredible fashion too. Uh, yeah, I got to I got to just get my comeuppance on that. <laughs> no, I I mean I I obviously I'm a Max I'm a Max fan as you guys know and I enjoyed watching. That was probably the best. Those were the best moments of of the Ryder, Ryder Cup for us that and Cantlay's putt, but um I think overall my takeaway was I expected Europe to win. Um, they were somehow like underdogs at one point. You could get them at plus money. Almost almost two um, to I, one. I don't know why I didn't bet that because the whole time I was like, that's insane. Um, so I'm not surprised that they won. Um, the way that their team was constructed and how unbelievable Hovland was this year, it just put them in another level. So I wasn't shocked that, that they beat us pretty good. Um I think my overall takeaway is just how awesome team golf is and that like, I want more team golf that matters somehow. Um, Cause that was, that was just awesome to watch. It was, it was, you know, more fun than Saturday. It was way more fun than any Saturday you will ever see at yeah. a regular tournament. And I came away thinking like, I don't like the live tour. I'm not a fan of it in for a variety of reasons, but if you watch the Ryder cup and you, you don't think, man, we need to figure out a way to play team golf in some fashion more often than once every two years and actually care about it. Um, you know, that, that was my, like my takeaway. Let's, let's figure out a way to get team golf, you know, that matters. And it was, it was a lot of fun. The course was also awesome. I liked the course a lot. Like 16 yep. was such an awesome. Hole yeah. That closing stretch was so damn sweet. That was so good. Yeah. Yeah, that it was a great course and 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 a ton of fun. And I thought, yeah, I thought the Americans were outclassed. Like the guys on Europe, like Justin Rose was an absolute assassin in that tournament. And then right. uh, Ben McIntyre, Bob, what's his name? Bobby. Oh, yeah, Bob. Yeah, Bob. Bob McIntyre. Yeah. Bobby Mack. Yeah, he was he was also like out of nowhere, like making big shots. So so it was it was fun. I I enjoyed it a lot. I was like rooting for the I was rooting for the Americans, but. Um, I didn't feel bad, you know, uh, there's a lot of really likable guys on Europe that you want to see do well. So it, it was, it was a good time. I'll, I'll miss it. I want it. I want it back sooner. 
It's yeah, it's cool the the, the yeah like having some of the top European guys that also play on the PGA Tour like you still get to see them play a lot obviously throughout the year so I did find I still find myself rooting for them even though like you Tom I was rooting for USA to win the team to win obviously but yeah you, just some of those guys are so likable like how, I don't know how you don't like Victor Hovland like he's just such a it's the best and especially the way he's playing like but yeah the the to touch on the team aspect thing that you mentioned just like when i'm watching that sort of like golf take place and like you're just getting text messages from like all these people who just know that you're watching that and like you're just gonna be talking about it like golf needs to find a way to capture that like more often and maybe it is because like it happens so infrequently that that's part of the allure and the draw of it but like um yeah just it would just must see tv um for for the whole weekend pretty much so yeah very cool that's that's yeah, that's a good point. I was wondering as you were sort of explaining how you felt about team golf, it's not an aspect that I that I thought of, but now that you said it, like is that is that what Liv is trying to like is their ideal world like that exact atmosphere where like cities have like quote unquote home teams and you get like a crowd that's like partisan and you get like an allegiance to a team and you're rooting for them like that? It certainly does not you know, bring that vibe now, like not even close. I know it's the team golf competition, but like nobody gets up for that. But is that like, is that even possible? Is that what Liv is going for? Like, I, I don't know how to create that, but I guess, you know, giving it like these 30 seconds of thought, like I think you would need something like a Liv where there are um, set teams that could have like, you know, partisan allegiances, whether it's like a part of the country, it's like, you know, obviously in other sports, it's your city um or or different golfers or what but yeah i don't know if it's attainable for live but a model like that would would be like the greatest thing in the world or you know honestly on the on the other side arguing against myself does saturating it you know dull that sparkle of the event if it happens too often i don't know yeah i think that i think that is what they are trying to do um but just like you, Tom, I was, I was around and we, we just Ed, you and I discussed it on the podcast. We were like, Oh, at this point, whatever that was back in April or may, like Europe is currently plus 200. And we know that that is ri- ridiculous. And and Europe yep. is the right play at that time. And I, I wouldn't place the bet Cause I didn't want, I wanted to, I think I just wanted to root for team USA. Like I knew when it came down, t- came down to time to watch. I, 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 I just, that's what I was going to want. And people, people very often, I think, you try not to be this way, but they want to bet on the teams that they like and enjoy watching. And and for me, that's what it was. So, because that's cool. Like the, the, the whole like United States against Europe thing, like that's just, it's, it's not a contrived and like built up storyline where it feels like these like teams on live are, they're like trying to juice them up and like put energy into them and, and selling them. Whereas this doesn't need to be sold. Like it's just, it has natural like draw and, and appeal to it. And I think that's that's what's so cool about it. So I think it, I think the goal would be to try to achieve that. But the question is like, how how do you get there where you have that type of passion on both sides, um, as you have just yeah. naturally with the United States and, and Europe? You know, you have to make it by city or by region. It's just a, like do how do you get people to get behind the golfers? You know that play for the new England, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. Golf, you know, golf club. So, so that the golfers are actually from that region. I mean, that would be cool, but I don't necessarily know if that's possible. 
to, and make it fair. But I mean, it, it, there's got to be some way that they can do it um, and, and try to play more team events that, that, that matter. That would be, that's like what my, my takeaway was. Cause I think just to having like the other golfers cheering on, you know, their teammates, yeah. that was such a cool, that was such a cool aspect. Like on when Cantley was lined up for that putt and everybody was out there, yep. you know, cheering them. You never, you may see like a buddy or two, you know, cheering on their friend in a tournament, but you never see like a whole team out there with their guy. And it was, it was really cool. And, the, and like you said, the fans all on one side, like that, that was awesome. So yeah, I think like like Liv has the team thing and they always like ask the captains about it. And it's always like such just an afterthought of like, yeah, we're playing this for like the team. Like it is still like an individual golf tournament. I wonder if the PGA could do like some, I don't even know what it would be, but like legend, legend, like captain's pick, like almost like all-star type thing. And again, I don't, I don't think you can contrive and like manufacture like the type of like fever pitch that the Ryder Cup brings just because it's not anything you do is going to be manufactured. So it's just not going to be at that level, but could you get something where you can actually have a crowd root for a side versus another side, have some, some actual thing that brings pride like to, to an event. Like there's obviously pride involved in the Ryder cup. That's why I think everybody's so up for it. It's on the contrary, like the opposite of live where like, nobody real, I don't think really like has personal pride. If like their team wins, maybe that's probably not, entirely true but at least it's not all genuine like it's not your heritage but yeah something where like the stakes actually matter like more than the prize money i think is the only thing that that can get there i just don't know what what that would be now again like playing devil's advocate was the Ryder cup this important like in its first few iterations or is it is it this important now because we have like this storied history and like stories from every event and like it's built up and it's like there's you know legendary this legendary that you know you know the history like i i don't know i i yeah it's tough that's the only that's the only like pro live argument i have in my head is that like you have to start somewhere and you need to actually like build up whatever it is before mm -hmm. it can even have a chance to get importance i again i don't personally think this has that potential but there is something there that will probably start from nothing and be boring or whatever that will eventually um tell its story enough to where it actually matters i would think yeah that's i think what yep. I, I think a lot of the players and and the people who backed live or like strongly backed live um whether it be people who were involved or or even just outsiders um missed a little bit is that you can't just gain the the year the, the history is is was what the pga tour and the Ryder cup and those things have on their side the storylines and 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 like you said so it comes down basically to the fact like is live willing to to ride it out basically and, and try to build that history or, or were they hoping for like instant yeah. success it seems like I, I don't it seems like they were looking more for like instant success it's, um, I don't know. It's tough. It's, to that's tell, that's but. certainly not. It's just hard for me to believe. Like we're gonna be talking. Like, you know, I think I will remember like that. Like number eighteen on like Thursday, Thursday or sorry, Friday morning or Friday afternoon this week, where you got the Hovland made bomb to tie that match. You got the John Rom made bomb uh, eagle putt like off the back of the cup. Uh, and then you had rows like back to back, like moments like that will stand out to me at, like forever, pretty much when I think of like future iterations. I don't think like Cam Smith draining a three footer to beat like Brandon Grace at like, I don't know, Chicago Country Club will ever carry that 
and like the stingers like draining you know chipping in to beat the four aces like i just don't i don't know how that will ever get there just i i, I can't i can't even fathom it does does live have any sort of regional affiliation with these teams at all it's just no yeah, there's I, I don't think there's any geography like there are certainly like themes among the teams but i don't think there there's not like it's not for example like the boston four aces it's just these are now like it's led by dustin right. johnson these are four of his buddies like the the torque is basically all the spanish dudes on one yeah. team like the chilean dudes <laughs> are on another team like the australians are on a team like it's almost so broken I think down that, by like nationality. it's not like the teams yeah the teams don't have a location of for where they like reside or their home but but i think that they like there's something to what you said tom like it needs to be almost location based because a lot of these teams are structured with guys all from a certain area right like there's basically like an australian team and there's a spanish team and a chilean team like you said so a battle of the worlds makes more sense to build hype like here's australia versus asia versus britain versus the u.s versus this whatever yeah so I mean, maybe they're going in that direction. I don't yeah. know if... And you can the region. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you play at your home course, you know, like that. I mean, that's what sick. other sports do. Yeah. There's no, like, I don't know, like, none of the guys on the Patriots are from New England, but, like, we still root for them. You know right. what I mean? Because yeah. they're, cause they're there. Um, I don't know. But yeah, they, I think they should, they should, they should at least try that and, and see if, like you said, it's going to take a lot of time for people to actually care, but I think it'd be, it might end up being worth it in the long run. Tom, don't think I didn't catch what you just said. You said uh, the Patriots players aren't from New England, but that's why we root for them. So I know deep down inside <laughs> you, like you want to be one of us so bad. But uh, there's time yeah, to maybe, switch to maybe you can switch to Patriots say we. one if you want. <laughs> now, now is not the time. <laughs> um, where did you land on the Joe Lacava versus Rory battle? I don't know what you guys, uh, your guys' takes were, but I mean, um, the uh, a caddy, it's a caddy versus a player. And I watched the video. I mean, I don't know what the caddy was doing out there, running around, getting into other players' faces, but obviously I'm going to side with the player. The caddy should not be part of that conversation. So, um, yeah, I was, I was on Rory's side. The guy was kind of being ridiculous. So, uh, Rory, it seems like he kind of overreacted a little bit, but either way, I, you're you're a caddy. You didn't make the putt. Just relax. Does it bother you that Joe Lacava is a well-documented uh, Giants fan? <laughs> no, actually, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's a good comeback. It's very. No, actually, a lot a very of truth similar. Uh, I pretty much had the same thoughts as you, Tom. I think if you ask, if you were to go back and ask him. Uh, he's like a very well-respected caddy and he's had a great career. But if you were to ask him about that day, I think even he would probably admit that he overstepped a little bit. So I think he, I think he got caught up in them. Like the crowd was just shitting on Cantlay all day. And I think he just, yeah, he, and I, I think Rory was right. All right. I love that. I love that you're on the you're on the same page as us. Um, any other uh, lingering thoughts from the weekend, NFL, whatever? Before we get out of here, we had a good half hour here. I, this is this has been fun. It's been real fun actually. But I like no, having I like close. having the non the non golf sickos like perspective, like the more more of the common man. Like, but turns out you just think of the same yeah. things as us. But 
Yeah, definitely not on like like as into golf as you guys. But but the Ryder Cup is like anyone can want to have a great. So um, I just I'm already looking forward to Beth Page. I, I I don't know if you guys are going to try to go to it. I'm sure it'll be like an insane ticket, but it would be awesome to go to that event. Sort of. I'm actually like, concerned about yeah happening I'm at any cost. About how the, yeah, I'm concerned about how the New York fans are going to act during that already. I feel like it's going to be embarrassing for the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, they it will. It will be. <laughs> the, the American team like needs needs all the help they can get, I think, because like Hovland and Aberg and all these guys like are so young. Like the team's going absolutely nowhere like next cycle. Yep. That could be the, literally the exact same squad and I would not be surprised um at all. Yeah, the only old guy was basically Justin Rose. I don't Rose. know who's coming up coming up for the US, but I don't know. I feel like they're on the other side, most of them. Yeah, I can't. I, that's actually a pretty good point. I can't think of like the next like U.S. like true prodigy that's coming up right now. Like Aberg has been rumored for like years and is now here, but like Hoygaard has been pro forever. Like I can't think of too many like young Americans that are actually like winning events. Like does Cam Young count? Like is he too? I don't know, but yeah, it's not even on this team. Like yeah, and, I guess it's like him and Zalatoris who obviously both had. Oh yeah. Uh, pretty i mean zalatoris was just hurt all year and then camion still hasn't won yet so um but yeah i, I mean there's a couple a couple younger guys too also have not won yet but um we'll see still got two years so we'll see what kind of shakes out over the next year or so but when tiger is named would... captain and picks this team we'll we'll figure out who can make the cut <laughs> that would be insane I heard I heard a rumor of uh, Tiger and Sergio as captains for next go around. I have cool. I have heard that as well, and I would do I would do anything anything to see that matchup. That would be the most intense, like actually like actually more competitive and chippy than I could I could think of ever. Because I actually do think Tiger is going to be the U.S. captain. Like I've I've heard so much of that. I don't know if it's just like overwhelming popular opinion sort of makes sense to like inspire this team like it does i think need like a full cleansing of zach johnson and his entire staff just needs to go so just tiger by himself is a good a good solution uh to that for me yep that'd be all awesome right. all right cool dude this has been fun thanks for uh thanks for dropping in uh i wish you i wish you five and oh i sorry i sorry i wish you four and one kev i wish you five and oh <laughs> Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure this will not be the last time we see you. So we, uh, we appreciate you coming through, uh, welcome again to the McDonald clan. Um, yeah, man. And we look forward to, we look forward to having you back. Thanks, Absolutely. Tom. Anytime guys. That's great.